let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You ever own something that inspired you to up your game? We spend so much time in our cars. It's nice to have a car that makes you feel good. It's giving me like, you deserve to take care of yourself, girl. Honey, I just love Alexis because it's giving luxury. It just gives like, nice. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. And the features on this GX, honey? Available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Available front row massaging seats. Ooh! Available 33-inch all-terrain tires. That's wide! Available multi-terrain select. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. If you imagine a synchronized swimmer like in this 50s movies when they like dive into the pool, that's what I'm about to do right now, but I'm going into the episode. So in recent months, if you've scrolled through Instagram, if you've seen the news, then you have probably seen the phrase, woman, life, freedom. These three words are so much more than that. They're a revolutionary rally cry around the world. Moj Madera and Nicolette Mason are founding members of the Iranian Diaspora Collective, a nonpartisan, multi-faith group that is inclusive of multiple backgrounds, gender, and LGBTQIA plus identity. So I would love to start with just uh, setting the stage for us, Nicolette. So I think a lot of us have seen, know a little bit about what's going on in Iran, but don't know the full scope, don't know how things started. And I think just for getting everyone up to speed, can you start us off with where this all started and who Masa Amini is? How this all started on September 16th, 2022, just over six months ago, a young 22-year-old Kurdish-Iranian woman whose name we know as Masa Amini Her name is Gina, Gina Massa Amini, and we'll get to that in a minute. She was visiting Tehran with her family, which is the capital of Iran, and uh, compulsory hijab is the law of the land under the Islamic Republic, which is the name of the government in Iran. And so that means that you are required, if you are a woman or girl over nine years old, 
to wear a headscarf when you go outside, you're in public, and so on. Gina was in Tehran with her family traveling from Kurdistan. She was out and wearing her headscarf as she was required to do. But the morality police called Gashjashad in Iran, who are a guidance patrol, supposedly, who patrol the streets, they are part of the security forces of the Islamic Republic, are responsible for citing people, arresting people for these moral, quote unquote, infractions. And it's very subjective, but they decided that her hijab was not being worn properly. And so they brutally, forcefully detained her. She was taken into custody, was subject to really severe head trauma, and died as a result of those injuries that were inflicted upon her by the morality police. And when news broke that this had happened, because it also wasn't the first time a young woman had been killed by the morality police, the country immediately went into protest. These were protests that were being led by youth, that were being led by women and girls, and by ethnic minorities in Iran who were really taking to the streets and saying, we've lived under this regime for over 44 years now. Enough is enough. We don't want to live under these theocratic laws anymore, under this barbaric government, under this system that oppresses women and minorities and LGBTQ people and workers. Fuck this. We're fighting back. And that was a big turning point for people in Iran. But for Iranians in the diaspora, people like myself and Moj, who our families fled from the Islamic Republic during the revolution in 1979, it was also a moment of uh, calling to arms in a way for us to really do whatever we can to support the people in our motherland. Yes. And then the other thing I want to talk about is the name Masa Amini. So part of the law under the Islamic Republic is also a control and subjugation of ethnic minority cultures and traditions so the fact that Gina was a Kurdish woman is inherently part of this movement as well. It wasn't just that she was targeted as a woman. It's that she was targeted as a young Kurdish woman. And the name that we know, Massa, was her government name. And the reason that even happens is because Kurdish people in Iran are so marginalized, so impressed by the government, that it's actually illegal to give Kurdish people traditional Kurdish names. So either the name Massa was assigned to her by the government or it was chosen for her so that she could have a government name. But the name that her family called her, that her community calls her, that is on her gravestone is Gina. And the name Gina in Kurdish comes from the word life. So this slogan, woman, life, freedom, Jin, Jian, Azadi in Kurdish, it's the same root, right? It's about life. And her life was taken from her. And what people are fighting for in Iran is for autonomy over their own lives. She was a 22-year-old woman in Tehran and just out with her family. These people come upon her. She ultimately loses her life due to the injuries that she sustained that day. But before that, like, who did she want to be? Like, who was she? And like, how do her friends and family remember her? I think that one of the things that's been extraordinary about this revolution is being able to get a window into the lives 
of these young people. If you think about the context of what's going on in Iran, 50% of the population is under the age of 30 and over indexes in female. And so what's been extraordinary is seeing these videos of her dancing with her family and celebrating and jovial and joy. And there's this saying, which was sort of interesting for Nicolette and I, when we first started getting into the work, you know, everyone would sort of explain to us this term called Zendigia Mamuli, which is an ordinary life. And for Americans, that's such a confronting idea because we're so consumed with this idea of overperformance of success that for so many people around the world, the very aspect and, and vision of just having an ordinary life. And what does it mean to have an ordinary life? It means that you have agency over your body and expression and your language and your name. And so when you look at videos of Massa Gina Amini, you see a person who was loved, who loved her family, who was an amazing dancer. I mean, she just loved makeup. She loved beauty. She loved her hair. Like she just was gorgeous and beautiful and vibrant. And like millions of young people in Iran. And so I think that's what's been so heartbreaking is that we knew she was, we knew she was beat to death, but I think it's when we all saw the videos of her dancing and spending time with her family and shopping and all of the dresses she loved and her fashion and the music she listened to. And these parents bravely, I mean, that's why... I think that's why we've been called into this work is that when you see that these parents are taking such a huge risk to release to the internet what their children looked and lived and felt like because they want their children to be known for the vibrant energy they brought to the world, not their defined by their death. I think that's one of the many, many things that has been insanely compelling for folks like Nicolette and I, who previous to this were not super involved in the work of Iran, which frankly, there are hundreds of people we've met who've been in this work for decades that are now good friends and kind of like in the queer community, like there's always like an elder person that sort of inducts you into that culture and helps you understand vernacular and sexuality. We have had a bunch of people within the Iranian diaspora who've been at this work for years help inducting us into they tell Nicola and I that we're in Iranian immersion right now. We're sort of yeah. coming to the end of phase one. And so it's been amazing to see who these people were previous to their murders. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing your work and your experiences with us so openly as we start to get into what is one of our most highly requested like topics on getting curious like ever. It's just so many questions myself and our listeners, like everyone is so curious about, about what's happening in, in Iran. And so, and then just so that I'm right, cause like Midwestern vowels, like challenge me, say it again for me, Nicolette. Iran, yes. Iranian, Iran, Iranian. In Iran. Uh, you guys, I, like, you're doing great. Nailed, I know, it. Like, Nailed it. I know, but like having like, re- like when you realize that like you've been in like the wrong syllables for your entire life, that must be really frustrating. Like just watching like American 
accents like just not get the pronunciation right like all the time it would be like not knowing how to pronounce like use or like ease when you're saying like united states like you're like it's not pronounced like that but like worse and thank you you for telling me that's not on you this is kind of intentional and it's part of what we're trying to do through iranian diaspora collective too is iran as a country as a culture has been so mystified and purposefully isolated and alienated from the rest of the world, right? Like even the fact that the government in Iran censors the internet to such extremes that you can't get on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter without having a VPN and bypassing Iran's internet so that you can get online. You can't share videos. Uh, There isn't a presence of foreign journalists on the ground in Iran. So this fracturing of information and disconnect of information between Iran and the rest of the world is really by design. And so I totally understand why people are confused or they don't know what's happening or they don't know how to pronounce the right words. And even for Iranian Americans, like I grew up hyper-assimilated. And I think this is the experience of a lot of first-generation immigrants in general. My mom's family came to the United States as refugees during the revolution in 1979. And part of their survival and their way of blending into culture here and making a life for themselves here was through this hyper-assimilation. So they didn't even call themselves Iranian. They called themselves Persian. And that's a whole other conversation and discussion. But like, People know Persian food, they know Persian rugs, they know Persian people, but actually like what we are is Iranian. So that's all on purpose, right? And it's by design, even if for um, Iranian Americans, it doesn't have like an insidious root necessarily. It's part of the mystifying and uh, lack of understanding around Iran. And so what is so amazing about this movement and seeing all of this content coming out of Iran is despite this manufactured separation, The kids there, the youth, the Gen Z is just like us. They want the same things as us. They desire and have the same aspirations and dreams as us. They listen to the same music. There were five girls in this neighborhood of Tehran called Ekbatan who were arrested because they were dancing to a Selena Gomez and Rima song and it went super viral, right? But like, they're just like us. And... That's something that really inspires us in doing this advocacy for this movement here is knowing that there's so little that separates us from our hemvatan, we call them, our like countrymen and women, our siblings in Iran, besides just borders and where we happen to be born. Darling, I was on a vacation recently and stayed at an Airbnb, and then I realized that while I was away, my empty house could be making money, honey. If you're someone like me that is busy and not home all the time, your home could be an Airbnb. And it's actually pretty simple to get started. Even if you don't have a whole house, you could start with just a spare room. Personally, I really enjoy staying at Airbnbs. I really do. I love a good Airbnb. Who is that? Come back, British you. And it really is a great way to like support local economy and support local people. So Airbnb is fabulous. And I know I was doing my British voice earlier, but 
We love Airbnb. So think about what you could do with some extra cash, whether you're looking to treat yourself to something nice like a shopping spree or a spa day or start a whole side hustle. Airbnb can help you be that person. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. They always say trust your gut. But one time, my gut told me to bleach my eyebrows. And that was fashionable, but not widely well-received. While probiotics can't help you with most of your gut decisions, it can give your gut a little bit of support. And Ritual has your back. They made a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Did you know daily disturbances like poor diets, stress, travel, the use of certain medications, and plenty of other factors can throw off your gut microbiome? Oh, no. Enter Ritual. Their Symbiotic Plus has been a gorgeous tool. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash curious. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash curious for 25% off. So the one thing I wanted to just sort of like ride on with what Nicolette just said is what has been so like a juxtaposition, I guess, for myself personally, and I kind of process this with Nicolette and our other co-founders all the time is you're sort of raised in the West to have all of this like feeling sorry for Iran and Iranians. Like, oh, these poor Iranians, they're stuck in this terrible, awful place that's surrounded by inflation and lack of resources and sanctions. And George Bush calls it the access of evil. And all of those things are true. But the thing that happened during this revolution, watching all of these kids come forward into the streets and making content about this revolution as Gen Z is, you spend most of your time thinking, oh, they're the ones who are stuck. And on some weird level, I realized I was the one who was stuck. They actually know who they are. They actually have such a fire for freedom and a thirst for democracy that they're willing to do anything and everything for what they believe in and what they feel they're entitled to and their whole community's entitled to. And on some level, it made me question how far I'm willing to go for the things that I care about. What conversations am I willing to have? What content am I willing to make? Who am I willing to be for the things that I, many, many people have given me credit for being someone who's on the forefront of so many issues, whether it was inclusivity or gay rights or trans rights or what the beauty industry looked for. And I realized, was I willing to die? Was I willing to be arrested? Was I willing to put my family at risk? Was I willing to be, you know, tortured, raped, drugged? And seeing their courage has given me this insane level of confidence to step up in a different way. Because what I realize, I sort of think of us Iranians in the diaspora as sort of tamed, sort of neutered, domesticated. I always think of us as domesticated. And they're like this potent, real, unabashed, like vibrant expression of themselves. And I don't know if that lands, but it's just been something I think about a lot all the time. Because I'm like, wow, like what if why, what did I do for Roe versus Wade? What did I do for trans rights? What did I do for, like, I went on the streets when it was safe in my right to march, but like, would I have done it if I was being potentially shot in the eye or drugged? And 
Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it just gave me this confidence of like, holy shit, like these people are so here for it. Like we have got to step up. Yeah. Like Moj likes to say that we're like domesticated cats and that the youth in Iran are lions, right? And we have this term and phrase in Persian, Farsi language, that's shirzan, which literally means lioness. And that's how we describe women in our culture as being lionesses who are brave and powerful and like give no fucks. They're going to do what they want to get what they want and need. And that's truly what like to zoom out a little bit and give context to some of what Moj has been talking about in terms of the violence that people are subjected to. Right of assembly is not a right in Iran. I'd love to ask the question so we can get into this. So let's take us back to September 15th, 2022. It is the day before this has happened to Gina. What rights and freedoms did Gina have? Did Iranians have in like 2022 before this revolution started? Like zoomed out level for someone who doesn't know what's kind of the day-to-day rules that someone would be facing in Iran? Yeah. I think it's kind of easier to think about it in terms of what people are not allowed to do, right? And so we all know the Free Britney movement. We were super involved in understanding conservatorships and the type of restrictions that are imposed on people when the state or someone in their family decides that they're not competent enough to make decisions on their own. We can think about women's rights in Iran through the framework and lens of conservatorship. So women need permission to travel from their husband or their father or whoever the next closest male member of their family is. You cannot obtain a passport without permission. You need permission to get married. You need permission to get divorced. Women cannot file for divorce. Women are not granted custody of their children. Mm. What if you're single? Like, it's just your dad gets to decide or your brother forever? Mm-hmm. forever? Yes. Yes. Like, you don't even get your own passport. Like, when I first got my passport, my passport was attached to my father's passport. I'm already going through, like, a Downton situation where I'm like, if, like, what if, like, dad's dead? What if you're an only child? Like, is there is there a way... Or like, but then it's like Matthew Crawley, and then like your fucking third cousin gets to decide or something. Like, there's typically, oh my god, so there's always some man in the family. Yep, you have to remember. And the context is these laws were not at all this way in 1979. These are new laws in 1979. These are new laws. 1979. Women like Nicolette's going to unpack this for you. She's going to blow your mind right now. So then let's think about like more daily life. So we know that compulsory hijab is the law of the land. Also, public spaces are segregated by gender. Also, it's illegal to dance in public. It's illegal to sing in public. And it's also illegal for women to ride a bicycle. So all of these things are just obviously rules and impositions on daily life that restrict your movement. They restrict your bodily autonomy. They restrict your ability to self-express and be who you are. And then add in the layer of like being a, a queer person or a gender variant person, like it, it becomes even more complicated and compounded. So we really 
try to make it as simple as possible for people to understand, think of it through this lens of conservatorship. And then there's all these other layers as well. So there's no freedom of press. There's no free speech. There's no right to assembly. If you do get arrested for any of those things, like riding a bike or singing in public or dancing in public or writing a song that criticizes the government, all of those things can come with very, very heavy sentences, including if they decide, for example, in the case of Tumaj Shalahi, who's a dissident rapper who, by the time this goes live, would have been in solitary confinement for 150 days since this movement started. He has been charged under the Islamic Republic's law for promoting propaganda against the state. And that comes with a death sentence. So all of the things that we really do take for granted, I think, in in our culture here is uh, around like freedom of expression and being able to criticize the government, being vocal about it. Literally, when people do that in Iran, they are risking their lives. And so the content that we're also seeing through social media and the protest footage that we're seeing through social media, even just being able to publish that and sharing it on the internet, sending it to someone outside of the country, that also comes with the risk of a death sentence. So people are going to such enormous lengths to make their voices heard and to make sure that we are hearing them, that we can then be their voice and amplify it further, that the least we can do for those people is listen. And that's like so extra dangerous, I would imagine. Like the only VPN I have ever had to interact with is like when I'm trying to like get figure skating if I'm out of the country and like there's some figure skating event on that like I can't get and like it's not that hardcore. But I also know that there's digital footprints to everything. So like they really are risking so much. So, and I would imagine it can't just be some like basic VPN. It's probably got to be like hidden on your phone or whatever. Cause like could the authorities just like come to your house if they track... Like if you posted some TikTok or something like, or some, if you were able to bypass it and then like a face was in there or there was like some identifying feature, like it's like everything I would imagine you could just be looking over your shoulder like all the time, right? So the Islamic Republic is one of the foremost experts in the utility of cyber armies using AI to find, you know, faces, places, what you were wearing, For example, people are being arrested even though they're dancing with their backs to the camera based on who was at what corner leaving their house at what time. Uh, they, they have incredibly sophisticated technology. Some of this technology is the same technology they use in China. Iran and the Islamic Republic have a close alliance with China where this technology, especially some of these VPNs, to your point, correct? So our work has been very interesting about how to covertly support the ground support of the protesters around even connectivity. One of the new campaigns that we're launching this year is a very large VPN Starlink project with our friend Yasmin Green, who runs Jigsaw's ahead of connectivity at Google. They fundamentally believe that connectivity is a human right. And so... Average Iranian has like 50 some up VPNs that they have to rotate to and even then have a difficult time to connecting to the internet in a consistent way. So like just imagine you're stuck in this experience and you can't even let your friends and family on the outside world know how you're living. And to your point, you are being targeted and hunted by the Islamic Republic and their cyber army 
which is equipped with all of these technologies. So they are, this is why what you're doing is so important because what these people are doing is putting their lives on the line to break through to your audience so that people can connect to their stories to care. Let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending. Some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money. Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous, like two bedroom suite instead of a one bedroom suite? So you're like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room. So you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your, your guys's room. Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. In the brand new book, Dear By Men, author, peer counselor, and creator of the hashtag Bisexual Men Speak, J.R. Youssef offers an unapologetic guide for readers who are Black, Mask, and Bi. The book features cutting social analysis, personal stories, and reclaims bi-plus visibility in a culture of erasure. It also offers practical feedback on how to unlearn internalized biphobia and homophobia, fight back against erasure and stigma, Navigate sex, dating, partnerships, marriage, friendship, and much more. It's available now wherever books are sold. North Atlantic Books is offering listeners 25% off plus free shipping. Purchase Dear Buy Men at www.northatlanticbooks.com and use code CURIOUS25 at checkout for 25% off and free shipping. U.S. mailing address required. I think I saw something on my like talk a few days ago that was like these women in Iran like walking without headscarves. But I was like, is this like real or not real? Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell. But then I saw other ones not that long ago that were like super much trauma warning, like much trauma things, yeah. like like much super hardcore trauma things that I was like, how did this even get past the sensitivity people like on the gram? Cause it was like, not that you shouldn't see cause you need to know how severe it is. But like w- there was mm-hmm. things in the news about like, you know, people being put to death from the protests and like just, you know, people that, as you have said, like have risked everything. So it's too big of a question, but I want you guys to just kind of like, I'll ask it. And then I just want you guys to like, go for it. What's like the evolution of the revolution been like, is the Islamic Republic like, ooh, this was like way more intense than we thought and it got way more eyeballs on it than we thought and like this is going to be fucking mutiny and like we might get overthrown because like everyone's so pissed. So they're like trying to stay in power so they're like giving some things a little bit of both depends on where you are. Like, yeah, yeah. what's the evolution of the revolution? That's the question. Some of it does depend on where you are. Some of it does depend on class and access to quality of life. It depends on what your work life looks like. So there are a few things to understand about this. 
Iran is a huge country. So the population is 84 million people. Huge country. There are parts that are really, really urban and metropolitan, like the capital city of Tehran. And then there are other parts that are more rural and that have more working class populations and that are populated by ethnic minorities. So it's really important to think of this movement and also the landscape of Iran through an intersectional lens. It's not homogenous. Not everyone has the same type of life, same access to education, same access to upward mobility. And also because there's a lot of different ethnic groups and religious populations in Iran, they're each treated and uh, have very different rights and freedoms. So that's another layer to it, right? Reminds me of somewhere else I know. Right? And there are actually like a lot of parallels. And that's something we think about too is like, How do we connect all of these oppressions? Because they are connected, but we'll get there later. Yeah. So in Iran, the protests started a lot in Tehran, the capital, also in Kurdistan. So Gina, we know, was from Kurdistan. She was from a city called Sakez. And the front lines of the protests were really densely in the cities in Iran, and then also the Kurdish parts of Iran. And Kurds in Iran are an ethnic minority. They're marginalized, like we discussed earlier. And then there's other pockets like Baluchistan, populated by Baloch people, who are another ethnic minority in Iran, that have also been heavily militarized by the government. So these ethnic minority populations and areas have been some of the most heavily militarized. They've faced the most violence from the regime, and they've been the most highly targeted in terms of opening fire onto protesters, uh, detaining protesters, keeping them in solitary confinement, and so on. And so over six months, yeah, it's ebbed and flowed. There's areas that have kind of, quote unquote, returned to normal in some respects. There's other areas like in Zahedin, which is in Balochistan, that have been militarized the entire last six months. And people still, every Friday, are showing up to march and participate in these anti-government protests. That's also happening in the Kurdish parts of Iran. But then you were asking about like wearing a headscarf or not wearing a headscarf, and is this really happening? And it's still the law of the land. To be clear, compulsory hijab is still the law of the land in Iran, but there's kind of been a point of no return. Culturally, people have really hit their threshold. Women especially have hit their threshold in terms of compulsory hijab. I think it's yet to be seen what will happen with that, if it will turn into any real legal change. It's because it is still the law of the land, but Bigger than that, more importantly for us and also for people who are on the front lines of this movement, the goal is not reform. The goal is not for the Islamic Republic to become more lax or to become more liberal in their laws. It's for the Islamic Republic to cease to exist completely and for a new democratically elected secular government to be put in place. And I would just say, because this is the one thing Nicolette and I get schooled on all the time, is what the Iranian people want more than anything else is a referendum, which is they want the crimes against humanity to be held accountable, similar to like the end of apartheid. They want murderers, people who are child killers, rapists, people who've stolen people's assets and land, because keep in mind, part of why this is such a huge deal is 
This country was a place where women were highly educated, where the marriage age wasn't nine, but was 18, where women could drive, have credit cards, have bank accounts, travel on their own. People like my mom were educated. People like my aunt were educated. People like Nicolette's mom were educated at the highest level. You know, the Shah of Iran was a huge, like all leaders, has things that they could have done better and have been criticized. But the one thing that they could not be criticized on is they did a ton to move forward women's rights. Could have been more inclusive to other ethnicities, but moved forward women's rights in a major way. And so what the people of Iran want is a referendum, which is an accountability, because keep in mind, this revolution has been happening for a long time. It's new to Nicolette and I, but this started in the Green Movement 2009, where millions of people came outside for a rigged election. 2017, when they executed over 1,500 people for similar activism. This happened in 2016. And many, 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 many people say that the hijab is is compared to the Berlin Wall in terms of ending a theocracy. And so this, for Iranians, for human rights activists, for gender rights activists, this is seen as the end of a gender apartheid, the end of a theocracy, the end of a regime that uses chemical weapons and warfare and violence and sexual gender-based violence to control a people. And now they're controlling a 50% inflation rate. So now they're controlling starvation, gas, power, pollution to essentially force. So when people are like, oh, the protests have gotten quiet, you're like, yes, because they've shut down the gas, they've shut down the power, they've closed the schools. This country has 8% of the world's natural resources, oil, uranium, zinc, copper, lithium. Think about the business interests and agendas to control those resources. This country produces four times more oil than Dubai. You just saw like Beyonce performing in Dubai in a skyscraper, right? Like the Supreme Leader Ayatollah Khamenei is worth $80 billion. Like he didn't create Amazon or Alibaba. In addition to like a theocracy here, There's a business agenda, like all oppression, like all oppression is always stemming from capitalism that's gone wrong, right? Uh, It's not just that people are evil and maniacal and patriarchal. They are, but they're using these systems to create capitalistic structures that only benefit a few. And Iran's theocracy, this Islamic Republic is a business plan and agenda that supports a handful of people in Iran and a handful of people out of Iran throughout Europe and China and Russia that are in business with a country that ships 2 million barrels of oil a day. Whoa! Iran ships 2 million barrels of oil a day? A day. This is not Afghanistan. This is not Syria. This is not Yemen. How many do they do? Not anywhere close. Okay, the Aaron Brockovichity of this right now, like my brain, you just literally took my brain out of my gay ears and like cracked it like a fucking egg. Jesus. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, please introduce a friend and show them how to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at CuriousJBN. Our editor is Andrew Carson. Getting Curious is produced by me and Erica Ghetto with production support from Julie Carrillo, Chris McClure, and Aaron McKeon. <laughs> 